Welcome to another episode of the Game Changers podcast, where we shine the spotlight on the great voices of the industry. And today I have another wonderful guest with Rika. And without further ado, I would like to hand it over to her for a quick introduction. Oh, um, thanks for having me here. Uh, it's really great to be here. Happy to. Uh, um, so I'm Rika, and I was the lead level designer of Starbreeze, uh, mainly for Payday 3. And I would say that it's kind of like my first multiplayer co-op game that I ever worked on. And shit, if you exclude all those like Payday 2 DLC, uh, for instance. So, um, and I guess like my recent project would be uh, Project Baxter. It's a co-op action game that is set in the world of Dungeons & Dragons uh, that was recently announced as well. So I think it was, uh, I saw there was a lot of like amazing things being done for that project. So looking, uh, looking forward to see like what the team has to come up with uh, on that note. And I guess like for me, um, if I were to say like, um, when do I start up my career? Uh, it was in 2015 uh, when I officially start off my level design career in a sense. And uh, I have my first job in Ubisoft uh, back when I was still in Singapore. And I basically started from a level designer and then eventually become a lead level designer. And I also have worked on a couple of Assassin's Creed titles uh, during that time as well. Yeah, Ubisoft has a kind of uh, interesting <laughs> yes. portfolio, obviously, with a lot of possibilities. You know. yeah, I, yeah. By the way, I've just recently been to Singapore this year, uh, oh, and, I, okay. and I loved it. It was great, the first time for me there, but uh, really had a great time. Wonderful city. Yes, I, I think like Singapore is basically like a place where you want to have a introduction to all the cuisine from like Southeast Asia. That is kind of like a place where you want to really go to. Yeah, I was there for Gamescom Asia, and it's pretty much the, <laughs> the main reason we uh, kind of established this there to oh, uh, nice. enter it as like a, a harbor for everybody from Southeast Asia to, to come to. That's really good to see. Yes. So um, let's dive in a bit further. And, uh, you know, if you've maybe uh, listened to other episodes of this podcast, uh, you know that uh, the first question is always uh, one about the love for characters in video games. So I'm going to ask you the same thing, Rika, which is if you had to the chance to talk to a character from any video game of your choice, present or past, who would that character be and what would you ask it if you had the opportunity to talk to them for one hour? Mm, I, I guess for me, like, um, it's more about trying to understand and be curious about to know more about the character. As for like, what would I really ask is kind of like, I, I guess will be more of like, go along with the conversation that flows from there. Mm. And I think for me, there is quite a couple of games that I would love to, you know, travel into the game world and like explore and talk to the characters. But if I were to really choose one, I would choose uh, Igor. Uh, he is the master character of this uh, Velvet Room in the Persona series. I'm not sure if you have heard of it. So uh, I thought like the Velvet Room was quite an interesting concept that exists like throughout all their series or all the Persona games. And it's kind of like a space between dreams and reality. And interesting enough that the appearance of the room uh, does reflect the states of mind of those who visit it. And it can change depending on who visit it and what the individual intent is. So it's kind of like very interesting to see like different persona uh titles 
uh, the room uh, change its appearance depending on the personality and the characteristic of the protagonist. And then uh, this ego character, he is kind of like the master of the room. And he looks kind of creepy with his pop-up eyes and like this really long nose. So I, I thought like it was quite uh, intriguing and mysterious at the same time of like how this character came to be. He was just a sort of like rumored to be like a doll that was created by uh, this guy that exists like in this whole entire universe that the game is set at. So I thought like it was quite, it would be quite interesting to, you know, sit in the velvet room and talk to him, like understand like what is his goals and like how he came to be and so and so forth. So I think that would be like uh one of the interesting characters to talk to. And now you get me interested as well. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have a room like this in the real world for even oh, for yes. self-reflection? <laughs> you just walk in there and you realize what state of mind you're in and you have the the chance to, you know, focus. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. No, I yes. haven't really um, played it myself, but um, it's a really interesting concept that you described. I think one of the uh, thing with the game is that it takes a, a, a long time to really uh, play through that. I, I remember like most of the games that I play in that series, nothing uh, goes like below like hundred hours. So um, moving from characters to um, you know games that uh, you know we all played and might have worked on uh, or mm. would have loved to work on. Uh, so is there anything in the past um, that uh, you would now say I would have loved to work on this team to contribute to it because you liked it so much or maybe you didn't like it and you wanted to improve it in some areas <laughs> there is there anything that comes to mind for, for me I grew up uh, with games like uh, on Nintendo Game Boy and also PC game mainly I don't really mm -hmm. have a console until when I ever teenager so like for for me like during that period of time, I'm very into like Mario uh, RPG uh, role-playing games and also uh, especially point-and-click uh, adventure games. So I, I also always have been a fan for like those murder mystery genre uh, like Sherlock Holmes, uh, Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys uh, since, since young. I remember like I, I stayed in the library for a long, long time like when I was... Uh, in high school and I was just like reading up all those books that is available there <laughs> yeah and I think I also play a couple of point click adventure that types to like solving a mystery and stuff like that but one one of the game that really caught my eyes uh, during that period was uh, Gabriel Knight uh, but I didn't actually play the uh, original. I played the 20, 20 years anniversary version and the color that they used in that whole package was so beautiful and like the whole entire game is so interesting. Like I, I would have would be interested to work on this kind of game because I never really uh, worked on any kind of uh, this kind of genre before. It has always been like a very 3D kind of like uh, games in a way. So it would be quite interesting to see like how how do they create like the 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 environment, the characters and the story itself. Because I think like that time when I discovered this game, it was uh the premise of the story was quite intriguing to me. Uh because it was like, you know, dark, horror, voodoo and a, a lot more, which is very different from some of the games that I've come across before then at that point. So I, I think that was quite 
uh, interesting to me and I, I would be interested to work on those kind of games. And if you look at it, it's like how you go about uh, in the world exploring, like discovering new clues and stuff like that, interacting with other characters and solving puzzles. Uh, gradually, if you look at the games these days, it's kind of like originated in a sense from like all those kind of elements from before, like the 2D, 2.5D kind of style of right. games. So I thought like it would be very interesting to see like how, you know, uh, we can travel back in time to work on those kind of games again. Well, maybe they do like a 40 uh, anniversary edition or something that we can work on. <laughs> I don't know. It will be, it will I played be the original tree. one, so I, uh, oh, at the okay. risk of admitting that I'm old, you know, but I played it when it came out and Gabriel Knight was amazing. I, I really liked yes. the game. Yeah. But I can imagine like um, a level design role on a game like this would be quite different from, from what you yes, do right definitely. now. Yes, definitely. I mean, like it would be about... Uh, I guess it won't be so much of like the level design part of things, but it will be more of like how do you uh design the narrative around the environment itself mm -hmm. and uh the things that is in the screen, how do you lead the player to go from one area to the other and how eventually you can sort of like allow them to figure out within the environment itself uh how to proceed on forward to solve the mystery. So I guess like that's probably how I would take it, which I would suppose that is more like a combination of art and narrative design in a sense, yeah. not so much of level, I would suppose. Yeah, it's interesting that um, most of uh, the people that ultimately ended up in the industry had very interesting uh, and joyful experiences with these type of, uh, of games. Yes. Uh, some of my first games, Point and Click Adventures, because they were just the thing at the time. Yes. And uh, in recent years, there were some really good ones being released, but not as many anymore. And it seems mm. like the industry has been moving away from that a little bit. Maybe players these days want more action in most of the games <laughs> or something, or at least everything in, in 3D. But I yes. truly enjoy uh, still playing those games if I find the time to do so. so yeah. uh, I, I, I mean, can see a few more. I mean, every once in a while, I will tend to go back to find like this kind of games to see um uh if there is any like much more interesting ones because I think like those are my comfort comfort kind of games whereby you know you just sit back, relax, and click around the the world to um mm. explore rather than like for an action game you can't have to always be on the go. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the first game I ever played, I think, was uh, Loom by LucasArts. I mean, it came out in like the '80s or so. You might you might not know it, but it's uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, I saw it on my dad's computer, and that actually got me interested in video games, oh, ultimately okay. leading to my first computer being bought, and then uh, you know the rest is history. But uh, it was uh, it was really cool. You had to, I think, play some musical instruments or play some tunes oh, along. Nice. It was a very interesting concept. Uh, so if you're curious, look it up. Loom, I think. Um, okay. It? Okay. It's, uh, it was pretty interesting. So oh, nice. uh, since we're already talking about games um, from the past, um, there's this kind of new question that I added recently, which <laughs> is um, if there is a game that you could erase from your own memories, not necessarily from the memories of time, you know, but from your own memories, so you've never experienced it before, and you would get the chance to play it again, which one would it be? Is there one? Mm, yeah. I mean, I couldn't, like, really uh, think of it. But maybe like for example, like this type of games, like the only kind of games that I can think of is um you know like you play like some games just have you like play through one time and then 
you kind of like understand like the whole entire story, like the whole story revealed to you at the end. And it's like, oh, that is the whole plot of the game itself. And you can't, you cannot really like replay it again because you'll be like, okay, I already come know like what is happening in a way. So I I guess for me, uh, one of the uh, games that I played last year was uh, this game called What Remains of uh, Ada Fringe. I think that was the game that suddenly came to my mind uh, when you were asking the mm. question. That I think that if I were to choose, that would be the game that I would like to erase from my mind and play it again because I, I, I really like the whole entire premises of you uh, entering this uh, house and like all the different puzzles that you get to uh, solve and you know engage in. It's really very interesting and everything sort of makes sense and account to the personality and the character uh, within the different rooms itself. So, yeah. It's it's definitely a great one. And, uh, you know, you're right. Of course, these games, once you play them through, uh, <laughs> then uh, you have a spoiler, so you can't <laughs> like, no. without knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> but for me, it would be Final Fantasy VII, I think, when I played it uh, when I was uh, like a teenager and it came out, uh, it just some of the magic moments in my gaming history uh, and uh, I would definitely redo this if I if I could uh, even though I would probably be sad not knowing <laughs> right, right now but but then get the chance to play it again so um let's move a bit from like the the game side to uh the industry side and your own personal story in the industry yeah. so I was wondering is there any moment in time kind of one of those crucible moments like those eureka moments uh where you um, realized something that you didn't know before that kind of changed your perspective on how you approach your work and or how you approach the industry in general? Mm, I guess for me in general, because I started off as, you know, just someone doing like relatively hands-on stuff, like working mm-hmm. as a level designer, building levels and things like that. And then at some point of time, I kind of like got the opportunity to become a lead, a manager to the team that I used to work closely with. So I guess like uh, back in Ubisoft, um, there's like this kind of like a transition period whereby uh, you transit in between like from someone doing very hands-on stuff to uh, becoming a lead. And during that time, you're kind of like, you have to sort of like juggle between both sides in a, in a way. So how do you kind of like juggle both sides and, you know, still meet the expectation of mm-hmm. both ends of being a level designer and being a lead at the same time. So, and then, like, there's this word that keep popping up, like, every now and then, and even my manager was, like, feedback to, feedback to me saying that, oh, you need to delegate more, you need to delegate more. But, you know, the art of delegation, as, as much as people, like, you know, put it out there, it's not actually that easier for someone that doesn't, actually have any formal training or mm. uh or like you know uh training to like you know when as they get into the role so for me like for, like initially i was thinking like you know how do i properly distribute things on my hand to others and not showing that like you know i'm just throwing tasks to people and expect them to do it when it's technically your responsibility uh in a sense mm. so I, I was a little bit like uh struggling uh in the beginning because I was trying to take on a lot of things on my own, uh on both ends because I have to be even though I want I'm like fifty fifty on both sides but I'm still expected to deliver hundred percent on both sides as well. 
So yeah. how how do how do you go about really doing that? And I think like I realized at some point that I don't really need to think of it uh that way in a way that like you know uh I'm throwing things to people to do, but it's more of like um getting in a kind of like a different mindset of like uh distributing tasks to people who can handle them and assist you out while you are able to focus more on those um higher priority topics that are actually in need of your attention attention in a sense. So I guess like that for me what would be my uh kind of eureka moment in a way because I never really uh thought of like I can shift my mindset a little bit to think of it that way. Uh in a sense. And like regardless whether I'm kind of like in a lead or just someone doing the work itself. I think for me that I realized that it's okay to reach out to people for assistance at time when I really feel overwhelmed and actually do it like as early as possible. Because I think if anything, uh I think a lot of people around me would appreciate that a lot that I trust them with the work at hand and actually sound it early enough for people to react without uh creating any unnecessary last minute panic and stress because we've seen that happen like quite a lot of times in general. Uh yeah, so asking for help is uh, sometimes one of the most difficult things to do. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> because you always feel like, ah, I don't want to put make it somebody else's <laughs> burden. But in the end, uh, you know, I think great teams can only shine if you allow that to happen. So um, let me ask you kind of a follow-up to, to this. What was the most difficult part for you uh, tuning into being the role of, of a leader on the, on the team? Was it the difficulty of not wanting to let go the actual hands-on work on, on what you're good at in, in, in level design? Uh, or was it, uh, you know, the, maybe in the beginning a bit the lack of trust uh, in terms of, I don't know yet if they are delivering it to my standards? Is, is there anything along those lines? Um, I guess it's a bit of both, basically, because like, you know, when you are kind of like at the, at the time when I was considered to be one of the most experienced level designer that is kind of left uh, in the mm. team, and I kind of have to... Uh, show like an example of like oh you know i'm doing this thing and you know basically be like on the front line showing people like oh what you are supposed to do and how do you go about doing it and you are kind of like the one tackle i'm the one tackling like most of the important things as well so how could i actually uh take a step back um uh, maybe spend a lot more time um to help out people to onboard them to teach them the things that I know before and learn because all those things takes time and then if like the time is not at your at your side and then that makes it even much more challenging enough to get into that space to actually help people to do it I gradually think that like it's okay to you know spend a little bit of time uh to just let go a little bit of things just so that people can work their magic because there are times that uh, I have this expectation of like how things should be done, but oftentimes, like when I let people go to do it and give them just a set of instruction and direction to go on with, I was usually uh awarded with something like much more surprising when it came back to me. Like they have like their yeah. own touch to the things that uh the tasks that I have uh give them, uh give to them, and oftentimes I'm a like surprised and like. I as I expected like this part and then they give me this and I just like okay. And I, I think like that actually like over time 
uh, builds up the trust that I need to just say that like the next time round, I can just rely on them to do uh, whatever they want as long as like, you know, we are aligned on the direction, we are aligned on the expectation. So like as I think like as I move on, um, I just eventually kind of just uh, tell myself like as long as I set the right expectation and I don't uh you know uh micromanage too much uh on people itself, I would eventually be able to get the result that I never expect <laughs> in return. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, yes, once you exactly. build that um that relationship that's full of trust, then you usually get more than you expected. Um because of course you are you and other people are, are different and they might add aspects to the game or in that case to the level design that uh you maybe couldn't even pull off yourself. They would do yes, it differently uh, than you would do it, but uh, sometimes uh maybe even better for for what's what needs to be accomplished if they work together as a team. So that's at least what I've come to learn uh, because I always have this tendency of like mm -hmm. hey, I, I know how to do this and maybe I do I even do it better but yes. I think um if you combine teaching and taking the time to do mm -hmm. it and you said it as well with trust uh, then ultimately it leads to outstanding results and uh, I, I wish like in this industry we wouldn't always be um in that dilemma that uh, you know the the next milestone is like uh, a few weeks out and uh, everything needs to be fast but at the same time we need to train new talent that comes into the industry and we need to take the time to do so and if seniors yes, don't definitely. do it then uh, i think we will have a problem further down the road and we we saw it to some extent uh, this year and then some of the projects that got cancelled and studios being closed yeah, and yeah. i think this is um a very a difficult dilemma that we're always facing. And yeah. Speaking of that, I'm I'm wondering, um, obviously moving a bit to the industry side of things and uh, mm -hmm. and challenges that we face, is there anything that you feel needs to be addressed in the kind of the current state of the industry? Any particular challenge that you would like to solve because you feel particularly passionate about it? Mm, I would say that uh, will probably be like how people work with one another uh, collaboratively together. I think that it, to me was something that uh, I am really passionate, passionate about, especially um, if you think of like uh, us level designer, uh, regardless in any kind of like projects that we have worked on, we are usually like the, the bridge to like all the other departments in a way. So like, I think it's important to me, like how we work with one another and, you know, get the support that we require from other departments and vice versa from us to them as well. And to me, like people generally is always like the challenge. How do you like pull people out from uh, like their own zone to tell them that, hey, we need your help. You need to do this right now and things like that. And I, I think like because of the whole COVID situation, uh, people stay home, work from home, and they become comfortable. And then, like, you know, as we gradually return to, like, this normal circumstances of, like, the the, the COVID is not, like, beyond, uh, it's not over yet, in a sense, but it's kind of like, you know, it becomes, like, much more tame in, in a way right now uh, at this time. And people gradually return to work, sometimes, like, go back to office to work. But I think, like, a um sometimes we like people stop learning how to communicate as they were being able to communicate from like the way before so how do you get them back into that space and so and so forth so 
I think like for me, uh, when I came into Starbreeze that time, uh, my first uh, usual step is always to try to understand how different group of people work and how can we bridge the gap uh, in a way to make sure that when we are working together, uh, we don't go into like unnecessary conflict. I mean, there might be conflict that needs to be have uh, to in order for things to move on. But I think like uh, what is important is that we understand uh, how each other works and how can we work together with one another. And for me, it's like um, how I do approach it is to create and iterate on processes that help them out to work together. Uh, and of course, like not all the time it works smoothly like this, but I think like it's also quite important that the individual themselves are also open to uh, changing their way to uh, of working if necessary to make their life a bit easier for themselves in the long run so and i think there's no silver bullet uh, for mm. every team out there i think yes. uh, it always depends a bit on the team dynamics and uh, you know the experience of people and how they best work together mm. i mean we will definitely in the future have uh, a lot of hybrid teams, sometimes fully remote teams, sometimes in office teams. And we yeah. need to figure out ways how these people can work together uh, the most uh, effective and most efficient way. Um, and, and that's what I've learned throughout the pandemic, that um, a lot of the leads that have been good leads before were struggling with the situation that they now had to lead people remotely. And it requires a different skill set. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not that it's not possible, but it's sometimes um, a bit of a challenge if you don't uh, get the training needed for that if you don't uh, really you know reflect and think how can you make this work uh, i've seen this across countless studios and uh, you know i hope going forward as as you say as we if we establish kind of a new normal which is probably going to be some sort of hybrid for most um, studios then uh, you know i think leadership also needs to evolve and um, yes. figure out how do i best do this to achieve the goals that you were talking about which is great collaboration and ultimately leading to you know great game projects uh, at the yeah. end of this Yes, I, I think like the beauty of our industry is that like I, I think like I saw from like this whole day of situation where everyone is like so supportive of one another and coming together to help out one another to try to, you know, find jobs and uh just talk among one another. And I was also like quite thankful because uh, I'm not sure if you saw my second post on LinkedIn that I was actually affected uh partially as well uh because I was supposed to join Fish Lab uh with Tobias yeah. uh and some other talented people over there and then eventually um uh, the role was made redundant due to the cancellation of projects and then I w I I was thankful that like during those weeks uh it was very stressful for me as well and I was trying to like find all the different solutions and people actually uh came and reached out and asking like oh do you need help like oh maybe I can help you to find out like uh what roles might be available in my company and so and so forth so I I think like that is kind of like the beauty of our industry like how everyone is coming together to help. And support one another even like regardless whether in the company or like the team uh people does exhibit those kind of behavior as well which i am really appreciated of because i think like uh i have talked to like uh my boyfriend and like my cousin who i'm relatively close with uh back in singapore and they were in the finance industry and there is basically you can see like a world apart difference that 
how cutthroat it is and yeah. how people are like you know against one another like super uh competitive and all so i'm really thankful like even though we have some form of competition uh within our industry but it's i see it as a friendly kind like you know we are trying to create like the best game out there for our players and for ourselves as well and it's not something that is like competitive in a way that is very toxic so but it's more of like you know coming together seeing like what great things that we can do and create so i think like that was uh really like the most amazing thing to me and i would love to you know continue to be part of this industry as much as i can <laughs> i could sign this 100 percent uh, pretty much reflects <laughs> fully uh how i view this as well uh i'm very happy to be part of this industry and even though i'm personally also in the transition to to something new uh oh, mm-hmm. i i I want to, uh, you know, contribute a little bit uh, similar to many other amazing people in the industry to help, uh, you know, kind of strengthen that network that we have and ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, help find, help good people find new opportunities. And speaking of those, uh, those new opportunities, the dreams, the aspirations you have for yourself in, in the next couple of years, what's going to be your dream project? What's going to be the next thing for you to do? Uh, is there, is there anything you want to share? Uh, so I mean, I gotten a new job actually starting from next week, and I am actually going Congrats. back. Yeah, thank you. And I'm actually going back to being a level designer again. So, um, and I think it's quite a nice uh period of time and opportunity to really take a step back from um managing like team and things like that to just kind of like focus on myself and my skills. Uh, in a way. And I guess, like, for, for me, like, when we talk about dream project and things like that, um, I would say that I am generally uh, quite open to different kind of, like, you know, games that I would like to make because I just want to try out working on different games, gaining the experience of that. And I, I think, like, ultimately, it's every game's developer dreams to create their own game. So I hasn't really reached there that stage yet in a sense mm-hmm. but uh for me like for a project i think um it would be great to really work with a group of people that i know uh who can be really open to doing something different compared to like what we probably have done years before to just try something out really new different and I guess like it's really open to challenging themselves and the others around them in a very healthy manner too. Because I think like um sometimes when we are stuck too comfortably in our comfort zone, we mm. end up not really uh evolving and not really improve improving ourselves. And then we kind of like trap ourselves in that sphere of oh, okay, we don't want to do anything new, we don't want to try anything out. So I I would love to be in the same, like when I work on the project, I would love to have people will be able to challenge themselves, will be able to come out of their comfort zone, just to see like how far can we push. Of course, like um, not overly, you know, like compromising and knowing when to push and pull as needed uh, when it comes to ideas and, you know, the work in a way. And I guess, like, for, for me, uh, within a project or a company, in a sense, uh, I see culture as something that is really important because that is how it shapes the people, the, 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 the work that we do as well. And 
it's like just really keeping in mind that like there's nothing really personal but it's more like we are all here to deliver a good game and having a fun time together doing it and one thing that i realized that and learned that uh throughout the past few years um i think having a structure sort of in place within the company within the project is really important um in a way to ensure that like some of the workflow and processes that you are trying to introduce into the project um can actually be reinforced in in some sense or is easily uh a little bit easier to establish properly uh enough for the people to work in an effective and efficient manner because i think like I'd like to have that as a best scenario in a sense because uh i didn't realize how important a structure is uh for a company because like without it uh things start to fall apart like relatively easily in a way yeah, and they always do usually <laughs> in the beginning it's all chaos and sometimes you know teams start very small and i think we've all seen that but as you grow and as you take on more ambitious projects uh, it, i think it doesn't really go without having a structure in place and also there's always people that are moving on to other opportunities and if you onboard new people and you don't have something in place to bring them up to speed quickly this is always a big challenge so i think as to what you said before if you combine that with culture um then mm. you pretty much have the recipe you need in order to make success games so you need to provide this uh, environment where people can shine at the same time you know sometimes and i mean this in a very positive way make them a bit uncomfortable in a way like let Mm. them think about things they may have not done before and uh, figure it out together as a team i think that's where the beauty uh, can actually happen yeah i I thought like the environment is like something that is very important as well for us to grow to neutral ourselves and you know work with other create the synergy that we one uh, within the team itself because I think without the uh, a good environment you basically cannot really do that and you will always struggle uh, no matter what you're trying to do. Rika, I want to thank you so much for being <laughs> my you. guest on the podcast today. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best for your future. I hope uh, the next opportunity you take on uh, starting next week is going to be very fulfilling for you. Yes. Uh, and uh, maybe, you know, you get to make those those great games that uh, <laughs> we talked about today at, at some point in the future. I mean, you've already worked on quite some amazing ones. So, uh, yeah, again, thanks for being uh, with me. Thanks to all the listeners of today's episode. Uh, stay tuned and don't forget to subscribe to these podcasts. Thank you. And likewise to all the best. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you.